Are you listening? Damn. I'm a What's up and welcome to the Nerd Notes, your new hustle and living playbook. I'm your host Yolanda, better known as Miss Super Nerd. Every week on the Nerd Notes, we have conversations examining the entrepreneurship experience from the startup perspective. If you were expecting to hear stories about overnight successes, blowing a bag, and viral sensations, you tuned into the wrong place. On this podcast, we talk about the reality, the challenges, the obstacles, the failures, the epiphanies that are all part of the evolution of turning an idea into an income and that income into a respective brand. We examine how this hustle life impacts your health, your relationships, your bank account, and most of the time your sanity. And we help you find solutions, resources, and tools that help you go from dreamer to boss. So get ready to take notes. The hustle is in session. I wanted to have a conversation this week about something that most business owners are very familiar with, and that is influencers and influencer culture. And I wanted to have a conversation and a discussion, even though it's just me on the podcast this week, and a discussion about whether or not influencers are still relevant, because that is the current topic of conversation in a lot of marketing and branding circles. So I wanted to bring that to the table. And with that being said, the word of the week for us is, if you're ready, from Allen Ginsberg. And his quote says, whoever controls the media, the images controls the culture. And I thought that that was a very appropriate um, quote to apply to today's conversation, because let's be quite honest, at this stage of the marketing, branding and business evolution cycle, influencer marketing has redefined how businesses reach out, connect and drive visibility with their ideal audience and how they convert that. And so I thought it was a really necessary and valid conversation to have because I've seen it come up in a lot of circles that I move in, both business and personal. And I've observed a lot of news stories about influencers and influencer marketing. So I thought it was really appropriate. Um, I'm also gonna throw another quote at you, um, which is, with great power comes great responsibility. And so, I thought it was also really important that during this conversation, we also take a look into the accountability and responsibility that brands and businesses have with influencer marketing and vice versa, because I think that's really important. And if you are a startup dreaming of having a startup, you just launched your brand and you're navigating influencer marketing, you're looking at diverse ways to reach out and connect with your audience organically or paid, then I think it's really important that we also touch on that point and kind of talk about ways to ensure that you as a business owner, whether or not you're the influencer, which is actually a business on its own, or the person hiring the influencer, know exactly how to navigate that space, protect yourself, and ensure that you're driving the results that you're investing in. Okay, so with that being said, let's talk about influencers. Now, people like to believe that influencers are a brand new thing. And I think that it's not that influencers are brand new. I just think that it is how influencers are now packaged that is brand new with the evolution of technology. The reality is people have always sought to get recommendations from two groups, people they know and people they admire or respect. 
And that has always been the case. So realistically, any person who has ever been able to drive any form of change, whether it is religious, political, financial, social, fashion wise, has always been an influencer. I think at this stage, what has now happened is that the ability to garner and collect attention and quantify it is now what has defined this new influencer culture. Let's take a look at the 80s. Right. So in the 80s, the people who were hired and paid to push products were usually professional athletes, actors and models, people of influence. Right. And so these people of influence were divine, were basically defined by the level of visibility they had um, relevant to who their marketing partner or business partners were. So if we took a look at somebody like Cindy Crawford and her iconic Pepsi campaign, Cindy Crawford was part of that beautiful collective of what I call the icon supermodels, the people who really kind of redefined what supermodeling was in the 90s, the Tyra Banks's, the Naomi Campbell's, you know, the, the Cindy Crawford's. And when Cindy Crawford did that Pepsi commercial, what Pepsi did is they leveraged her visibility as a supermodel who had transcended kind of the fashion realm in terms of visibility because she was also Richard Gere's wife. So there was that association. So she was beautiful and she wore beautiful things. And now it was like this beautiful woman drinks a sugary drink, right? Cindy Crawford, to be quite honest, is no different than Instagram influencers or YouTube influencers of this era. The difference is that YouTube, Instagram, Vine, TikTok, which is the brand new Vine, the difference with these platforms and the platform that Cindy Crawford sat on is that with the modern day influencer, they get to create content. So they, in essence, become their own publishers. They have become the TV network producers. They have become the magazine editors. They have become the professional photographers. But the reality is, if you strip down who is driving the creative narrative, whether it is Vogue or this person coming up with concepts using Pinterest boards or just genuine creativity and posting it on Instagram. The thing that we drill down to is the fact that these people are basically collecting and quantifying attention. See, the thing is, Pepsi was able to recognize that because Cindy Crawford was a beautiful woman and because she had sold ridiculous amounts of Levi jeans, and Calvin Klein bottoms and they could actually see a direct correlation between when her ad campaign launched and she had billboards in Times Square and she had billboards if you're driving down the highway and PCH in LA and she had all these things in Europe they could actually quantify that from the moment that Cindy Crawford ended up on a billboard wearing a certain brand um, advertising a certain perfume whatever the case may be there was a direct correlation with the profits that that associated brand or company or marketing partner received from the investment of paying Cindy Crawford, right? Now, in Cindy's case, she had a modeling agency. So her agency would book her for these shoots and they started to see the correlation. And this is when what I believe is the first generation of true influencers came out because at this point, models like Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, professional athletes, people like Mark Wahlberg, decided to start dictating through their management, their agents, what the value of their visibility was. This was the first iteration of modern influencer marketing. These people turned around, they were like, hey, my agency is making a lot of money because I can see how much I just paid out to my agent. I can now buy a multi-million dollar mansion instead of having to you know, share 
you know, rooms with my roommates. Um, what I'm doing is valuable. My face is valuable. My ability to drive change and purchases is valuable. Therefore, I am now going to dictate that value. And that was the birth of modern day influencing as far as I'm concerned. Now, some people may say you can backtrack it all the way back to the days of Frank Sinatra and Marilyn Monroe, right? So what you're basically seeing is individuals who have managed to find the formula to drive enough visibility and convert that visibility into convincing people that their opinion, their perspective, their desires are actually the market trend and then monetizing that. And I think that that's a really important aspect of influencer marketing to really take a look into because as a business, if you're hiring an influencer, you don't just want somebody to be popular. You want somebody to be influential. And I think that this is where the question about influencer marketing has, this is kind of where questions are now being asked about the effectiveness. So we fast forward to the YouTube era before Instagram kind of popped off, before Instagram kind of, you know, became this billion dollar, you know, business giant from Mark Zuckerberg and a lot of, you know, corporations that now leverage um, Instagram for advertising. We had YouTube. And YouTube was kind of where we saw individuals becoming their own publishers, their own producers, their own writers, and this kind of shift and disruption to no longer hiring talent through agencies and talent kind of defining how they were going to be seen and valued. This is, you know, where you start looking at people like PewDiePie uh, and individuals like that. And I think that, you know, YouTube did a really good job initially in kind of allowing rights and privilege for creators to kind of build businesses, especially when YouTube integrated Google AdSense and people started getting paid for how many views they were getting, right? And I think that this is where marketers should have really paid attention about how the trends were going to shift. Um, and they should have started putting into place fail safes to ensure that as technology evolved as it always has as technology evolved and as entertainment evolved um, that they were creating systems where they were understanding how to leverage this evolution for the benefit of the creator and the creator's partner now fast forward to instagram when instagram first started it was just about pretty pictures right and it kind of escalated really quickly because Instagram kind of fed into what I call the attention deficit generation. Um, on average, as a marketer, we understand that we have, if we're lucky, 30 seconds to capture somebody's attention and actually drive a value proposition. The reality is we may only have five. There are literally millions of tweets hitting the internet every second, not every minute, every second meaning that the ability to gain traction and capture attention is actually very, very valuable. And I think that as marketers and as business owners, we need to take a step back and recognize and respect that. Now, in some cases, there is a formula and you can curate a way to capture attention because there are, you know, there's psychology, there's color theory, there's all these sciences, but there is that magic in having the right personality um, kind of step forward and then create what I call emotional traction. So you can sit down 
with, you know, information scientists, data and, uh, you know, yeah, information scientists, and have a conversation about building your brand and how to capture attention. And they'll tell you things like, you know, we need to take a look into color psychology. We need to take a look into typography. We need to do, you know, um, client avatars. And, you know, we can definitely cover that in a future uh, episode if you'd like to. But the reality is, there are millions of brands being launched on a weekly basis. There are 150,000 websites being launched on a daily basis, which means that we are in probably the most competitive attention capture market in human history. The desire to capture and convert attention is probably the driving force behind 90% of the content that you get. Everybody is competing to keep you entertained and to keep you engaged long enough to take that engagement and turn it into a transaction, okay? So it is extremely important that you not only get attention, but that you keep it and then you convert it. So there are three steps. Get it, keep it, convert. And then consistently loop that cycle, or if you're really good at what you do, you get the attention, you keep it long enough to convert it, and then you turn the person who you've converted into a transaction into investor, meaning that they are now a committed individual who will continue to put money into whatever your business idea is in exchange for what got their attention, right? And ideally, as a business, that is where you want to be. The modern-day influencer sits in this crazy space of the ability to collect attention. But over the last 12 months, we have seen stories over and over again of influencers being able to capture attention, yet not actually being able to convert attention. Meaning that they're a great billboard, but they are not a great sales tool. There was a story that happened earlier on this year of an influencer who was hired for a campaign, and she was very transparent. I thought it was actually genius of her to put herself out there because it drove higher visibility. She may have lost some followers. She may have gained some followers, but she became a culture influencer. She was hired to sell a clothing brand, had millions of followers, not a million, millions, multiple of followers on Instagram, okay? That is millions of eyes, and was only able to sell seven shirts. Seven. Meaning that she had captured attention, but she could not convert attention, right? And so in an age where you can buy followers, in an age where you can drive follower growth and increase visibility, it is important for both influencers and businesses to start changing their focus. And I think Instagram decided to do this uh, and did it really well when they decided that they were going to remove likes because it then forced people to ask a different question when it came to influence. The question stopped being, do people like you? And change to, do people care about what they like about you? Because when a business is hiring an influencer, the important question to ask for the business is, should I invest X amount of dollars? What will the return on investment be? And how do I guarantee that my investment has a return? Because 
if you're hiring an influencer to increase visibility, that is usually a pretty easy buy-in. You can pay for a sponsored post. They will put up your information for one day, one week, one month, one year, depending on the campaign agreement and the terms and conditions and how much this person is getting paid. And this can drive more followers to your page, at which point you could then become responsible for turning your new attention into conversion. You could hire somebody to drive visibility and reward them in addition to the visibility that they drive for your brand for them driving sales. So this is what I would call a capture and convert contract. And I think that a lot of business owners need to start taking a look into that when they're hiring influencers. There is no contract that is one size fits all. If you're looking to capture attention, that is one agreement, that is one service package, that is one value proposition. If you're looking to capture attention and then drive sales, you want to see a difference in your profit margin, that is a capture and convert um, contract. And I think that it is important that businesses and brands start really asking questions. Like, so you have 50,000 followers. Of these 50,000 followers, have you ever sold a product to them? Have you ever recommended a product via affiliate marketing or via personal preference? And have you ever tangibly been able to capture whether or not your recommendation actually drove an increase in sales or an increase in product engagement for this thing that you recommended? That is an important question for every business to ask. As an influencer, it is important that you start asking yourself if you're simply collecting likes and attention, or if you are now creating a culture where the people who consistently return to your platform are now interested in investing in the information that you provide on your platform. Case in point, if you're Jackie Ina and you recommend a palette from Maybelline, do people go out and buy the Maybelline palette or do they just like the video? If you as Jackie Einer can say, I average 500,000 views out of my 2.3 million followers on YouTube, and when I advertise a Maybelline palette, on average, I drive 50,000 units of sales per video, you have not been able to not only determine, are you providing value to people, what that value is, and why your platform is one that should be monetized and partnered with. So I think that when it comes to influencer culture, because people can buy uh, follows, because people can buy attention, the question that both influencers and businesses need to ask is what is the value of said attention? Is anybody getting anything that they want to invest in from said attention? And then moving forward from there. And if you can effectively answer those questions or get those questions answered as a business, then that really starts to shift the conversation. And we once again move into a commerce model where all parties are fairly being compensated for the transaction. The influencers being um, compensated for the ability to capture and convert attention into something viable and tangible. The advertiser or the brand partner is being compensated by knowing that when they invest in a partnership with this influencer, it will drive higher profit margins for them. And the people who are being influenced to make a purchase or to invest their attention in a new platform, service, or product 
are actually dealing with somebody who is an expert at this product that they're recommending, who is displaying integrity about how they, you know, share and um, give this information and who is actually recommending something that the receiver is actually going to want to receive. And I think when you have all three points of the triangle hitting, it's a win-win-win for everybody. Um, and so as modern influencer culture moves forward, I personally do not believe that it is going to disappear anytime soon. I think it would be foolish to somehow think that in a world and in a generation where individuals have mastered the ability to really narrow down how to create content that consistently gets people to come back over and over again to their page, that consistently gets people to become very aggressive fans of their product and their brand. In a culture where this exists and in a culture where individuals are now licensed to become their own marketing agency, in essence, leveraging these free platforms, it would be foolish. Now, there are integrity pieces that will come into play Recently, Instagram this year launched what's known as Close Friends. And Close Friends was the ability to, to curate a very small list where you directly send only content to that list so it's not available to the general public. Now, Instagram has advised that they have no intention to ever monetize Close Friends, but they've also said a lot of different things and then turned around and changed their minds. And that's the nature of business. Everybody can change their minds. But some influencers are now flipping the Close Friends profile to monetize it and even though they cannot sell subscriptions through instagram they're using platforms like patreon where people pay a monthly subscription and they get access to exclusive instagram content under the close friends list this is no different than private snapchats where people once again pay through patreon in order to access exclusive snapchat content and so i think that it's you know once again a case of instagram you know undercutting snapchat um but it's a case of Mark Zuckerberg and his team being very aware of what's happening on other platforms and understanding the trends. And I think for influencers flipping this, it is an easy way for them to do what they usually do and just monetize it differently. So we're not even having to get off of the Instagram platform anymore in terms of where we house content, where we house marketing, um, but we're now diversifying how we monetize it. And I think that's really interesting. So I think that going forward, there'll be questions about integrity. There'll be questions about privacy. There'll be questions about appropriate access. There'll be questions about censorship and you know safety um, and things of that nature. But I personally do not believe that influencer culture is going anywhere. Um, I think that what businesses and brands will have to do is they'll have to recognize that whilst they don't have to invest 100% of their marketing dollars into influencers, it would be foolhardy to not invest a substantial amount of dollars into not only partnering with influencers, but really understanding how to optimize said partnerships, really understanding how to ask questions about analytics, ask questions about conversions, ask questions about real-time engagements, find out how to integrate A-B testing into influencer partnership campaigns so that you're understanding that if you partner with an influencer and you try one campaign and it doesn't work but the second campaign does, then is this something that can be duplicated or is it specific to the influencer? Because once again, this is a very diverse 
conversation. It is a podcast on its own um, in terms of a podcast show, if you really think about it. So I think that as businesses, the three major takeaways that you need to ask is, do you understand the value that the influencers that you partner with drive? Number two, do you have a plan for tracking how these partnerships benefit or denigrate your business? And number three, are you entering into partnerships that actually drive the value that you're seeking? Because if you're entering into a partnership and once again, hiring somebody to capture attention and then you're upset that they're not selling a t-shirt, Houston, you have a problem. But if you're entering into a partnership to capture attention so that you can grow your following and once that following is on your page and they align the value that the influencer drives with the value that your brand could potentially drive, you are now responsible for driving conversions, right? Um, and so that really comes down to brand responsibility, brand accountability, and brand integrity. Do you actually know what you want from these partnerships with influencers? For, ins for influencers, the three questions you need to start asking is, are you collecting likes or are you collecting investors? Because anybody can like a picture if somebody invested in the ethos behind the picture. Number two, are you aware of what your of what your metrics are? Are you consistently testing the value that you can bring to your audience? Because you don't just want to be a collection of pretty pictures. If that's the case, you're a digital scrapbook. You want to actually know that what you do can one day be monetized, can one day earn you an income if that is your desire. And number three, are you as an influencer partnering with brands that are aligned with what you deliver to ensure that when you enter into campaigns with a brand, you are better positioned to drive the success that allows you to continue to scale, pivot and leverage your audience to grow your career. So I think that as long as brands and as long as influencers know the answers to these questions, it will then help influence a culture become a lot clearer um, on both sides of the aisle. It'll be a lot easier for influencers and brands to believe and receive the value that they're seeking. And it'll become a lot more beneficial to the audience because they're actually receiving the, 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 the content and the product and the relationships and the return on investment that they want for their attention. Okay. Um, and so I think that when it comes to influencer culture, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, there's a lot of um, opportunity that sits in the field, but there are some questions that need to be answered um, before we level the playing field, before it becomes clear again, um, before it becomes comfortable again for all parties to engage in this new ecosystem. And I think that the most important thing uh, for all parties involved um, more specifically for influencers and brands is to be prepared to evolve and pivot because the reality is what captures the attention of your audience today may not be what captures the attention of your audience in two years. And if that is the case, if you are not able to evolve and pivot 
to continue to be part of that market trend, um, to be part of, you know, what matters to people, you will become redundant and you will have a situation where you have a lot of eyes on you, but nobody actually cares to do anything other than look. Um, and so, yeah, that is influence a culture. Um, I think a great resource to leverage this week is the internet. Do your research, get familiar, and answer those three questions. And if you can answer those three questions, you will be able to really take advantage of influencer culture. And if you want assistance with answering those questions, you can visit my team and I at www.nerdandcoa.com and we'd be more than happy to help you figure out how to navigate the influencer experience, how to navigate influencer partnerships, and how to make sure that those partnerships truly benefit your brand, answer the questions, and get you the return on investment that you need. As an influencer, we'll be more than happy to assist you in really understanding how to position your value um, and how to answer those questions when brands come to you and want to partner with you, whether you're a macro influencer with hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram or a micro influencer with a few 3000 uh, followers on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, or YouTube. But you know that 80% of those 3000 followers would move heaven and earth to partner with you on anything that you recommend. Um, as always, this is a nerd note. I hope that you found value in this and I will be back next week. Have a good one. Thank you so much for tuning in. I sincerely hope that you found value and insight that will allow you to keep evolving and growing as an entrepreneur or brand. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to subscribe and leave your rating on your favorite podcast network and share us with your hustle network. To get in touch with us directly, you can find all of our social media handles via our website, www.nerdnco.com. That is www.nerdnco.com. My team and I drop motivation as well as brand and hustle knowledge on those platforms regularly. Whilst visiting the site, I recommend that you subscribe to our Nerd Notes bi-weekly newsletter. In there, we drop brands that we love, tools and resources you need to stay ahead of the pack, and guides on how to navigate ever-shifting algorithms and trends. Please let us know what you think of the show, who you would like to take notes from in the future, and what topics you want us to examine and discuss. Until next time, keep pushing, don't stop taking notes, and never stop hustling.